0: Ever wonder what psychologist moms talk about when we get together? Whether we're consulting one another about a challenging case or one of our own kids, or just leaning on each other when parenting feels hard, because trust me, even when we do this for a living, it's still hard. Joining me each week in these special Thursday shows are two of my closest friends, both moms, both psychologists. They're the people I call when I need a sounding board. These are our unfiltered answers to your parenting questions. We're letting you in on the conversations the three of us usually have behind closed doors. This is securely attached beyond the sessions. So you may know that the Barbie movie comes out tomorrow and Barbies are everywhere right now. So this seems like the perfect time to address a listener's question about this topic because I have a feeling there are a lot of parents wondering the same thing. It's pretty straightforward. Julia DM'd me and asked, do you think I should let my daughter play with Barbies? Oh, I'm so excited to get into this one. I think my thoughts might surprise you and I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say too. But so before we dive in, just a reminder, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts right now, if you could go ahead and scroll to the bottom of the podcast page and rate and review securely attached, that would be such a huge help. Or rate the podcast wherever you stream it. Your support is how we get the word out and allows us to keep helping us guide more parents just like you. So, okay, Emily, your daughter's a little bit older now, but did you have Barbies in your house? Do you have Barbies in your house?
1: we, we don't have Barbies in our house. We actually just don't have a lot of dolls in our house. But mm. We're, you know, we're coming from a boy, mom, uh, household. So that's actually an interesting, uh, question is like, how much does this come from the outside or the inside, you know, of these, of these yeah. families. Right. Um, we don't, but you know, I actually, you might be surprised that I'm not like fundamentally against Barbie. You know, I think that You know, I think the concern that pops up for a lot of us or for me and in in my sort of background in Barbie is an unrealistic view of women, right, or an Mm -hmm. unrealistic view of body image. And I think it's a conversation starter. You know, I think it's like there's nothing wrong with having a conversation about differences and body types at a very early, early age. And I think that that can happen in the context of the toys your kids have. So I'm not like a... Iksnay on all things that, you know, potentially might be evoking difficult conversations.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I will say, like, I went into it. First of all, I have also my, my oldest is a boy. And so I had this mindset originally. I was like, oh, my daughter, she's gonna play with what the toys we have. There's really no gender in toys, and I'm just gonna let like the toys we have fly. And my, my daughter, you guys know my daughter, she is very, very certain of what she likes. And which is interesting to your point, Emily, of like, where is it coming from, right? Yeah. I sort of had the plan of being like, well, she just can play with the trucks and she can play with the blocks. And most of the toys I got were very intentionally open-ended anyway. So mm-hmm. like, whatever, she'll be fine. And at like two years old, <laughs> she said to me, like in her, she goes, where are my jewelries? Where are my princess dresses? And I was like, "What? <laughs> Have you need those right now?" Okay. All right. It was coming solely from her. And and she's also, I mean, that was in COVID, so it's not like she's getting it from like peers either. She just yeah. it was and if you know her, that is who she is. Like she is an she is a princess on the inside and like everything about what she wants in the world is like and it's it was really interesting to me actually to see how truly organic that development was and surprising, frankly. Um, But so she really wants and has been asking for Barbies for forever. And I originally was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm like worried. I've heard all these studies that suggest that kids who play with Barbies have, like you said, like distorted perceptions of what bodies should look like. And, you know, and I'm curious if you like, you know, Rebecca, I'm very curious too, what your thoughts are on this. But I mean, first it was like, it was like the slow creep, right? First her babysitter bought her one and I was like, eh, what am I going to do? I'm not going to like make her give it, give it away. Like I'm not taking this doll away from my child. And she loved it. And she played with it a lot, right? Following their interests leads to longer play. And then she's, you know, getting Barbies here and there as presents. And eventually she's just like, well, I'm really wanting this ice skater one. Can I get it? And I was like, yeah. And I have no, I'm like, she's so happy. It, like you said, Emily, it's like a conversation starter allows us to talk about things when it makes sense to not like forcing her to talk about body image stuff because she's playing with Barbies, but when it comes up, it makes sense. What do you think, Rebecca?
2: I have a few thoughts. First of all, didn't they come up with like a line of Barbies a few years ago mm-hmm. um, that was theoretically more realistic? Because yeah. I remember being quote, cool. I was on like some TV clip about that, and oh, really I can
1: only imagine that they um, didn't do that well because well, I, I think, haven't heard anything about them since. I think what happened is that um, American Girl does it very well. Right. And they really embrace differences and they, you know, so like as a parent, we didn't do a lot of this doll stuff, but when my daughter was sort of like a little interested in, in babies and stuff, we were more interested in American girl because they have, you know, physically disabled dolls. They have different, like the whole different, you can get a doll that represents you. Right. And with like no big deal, it's part of their whole system. And so I think Barbie probably didn't do it as well because it's not as well known, but I think they probably were trying to get to that same representation matters place, which I...
0: But if you do, like, as someone who's currently purchasing Barbies, because this is what my child is demanding of me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I have been surprised and actually pleasantly surprised. Like, if you go down the toy aisle and you look at the Barbies, one, I remember getting a Barbie and, like, open, you know, they come with, like, 50 million pieces of, like, plastic stuffed there. It's like so hard to unpackage. So Mattel, if you're listening, like, please make it easier to get these Barbies out because it's annoying. But, um, I was like surprised, pleasantly surprised by the body shape of the Barbie that my daughter had gotten at CVS. Like it was thicker, like just more proportionate. It didn't have like skinny, skinny, skinny arms. It wasn't like a plus size Barbie either. It was just a regular mermaid Barbie, I, I think. think. And like,
2: yeah, I think they changed, I think they
0: changed them. I think that they have. And I think they've like, to your point, Emily, the diversity piece and the different abilities, like, yes, they have like, I think mean, they've done a good job of representation, obviously both from a cultural standpoint, but also like, I mean, I guess when we were kids, Barbie had every job and it wasn't just like, no, but do
2: you, you remember know, math is hard Barbie? The Barbie that you would like press her, you know, that she could talk and she would say math is hard. And it no. was like, yes, oh my and it was
1: a whole controversy. Google it right now. I, I mean. Will. Well, but that's sort of my feeling about Barbie, to exactly your point, Rebecca. But I'm like, I don't know that that's... Um I think it's requires more thought than, than that, but that is the stigma that, that I have carry around Barbie so I'm like, oof, I don't know if that's a good thing. And I think maybe that's what our,
2: I, back to the original question. Cause I just want to chime in on that. And I have a boy household too. I have two sons, although boys that are into Barbies, you know, rock on, it just happens to be that neither of mine were or are though they were into baby dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I was super into Barbies. First of all, all I would do is undress them and have them have like naked pool parties in
1: my sink. That That was. I love love hearing that about you.
2: (laughs) Second of all, i I just have a very, very, very high threshold for banning any kind of toy in my house. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, uh, you know. It comes up much more often. I don't know if we want to go there in this conversation, but around guns, let's say, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I think there's a way to be thoughtful about toys that we purchase and and why and how and again and start conversations and, you know, but I but I think the idea of saying we don't allow this in our home because we're trying to shape our kids thoughts accordingly is a much more dangerous place to go than we follow our kids interests and we have meaningful conversations about why and why why we do or why we don't buy a lot of a particular kind of toy or why other kids have some kind of toy that we don't and if you just sort of ban it it's first of all not realistic because kids see them. And then they just want to go to their friend's house that has all the Barbies. Like, I just think it's a very short sighted way of thinking that we have in all kinds of ways in this country of like, if we don't pay attention to it, it goes away. (laughs) It's just not how these things work. And I think for, for talking to parents who are listening, I think I would just generally recommend a really cautious approach toward this idea of we absolutely don't allow xy or z in our house with some obvious exceptions of course um you know but but it's just not something that i think ever is effective or yields as you said emily originally kind of open conversation and communication about really important issues
1: and yeah. i think i guess i i guess maybe listeners are wondering like how do you put that into perspective, like how do you initiate a conversation probably to make, to to weigh out some of these worries maybe we have about the body image stuff. Like, I think that's probably a big part of the question. And I think like being curious with your kids and having, you know, like just talking about things without judgment, following their lead and sort of exploring why they like a toy. What is it about that toy? And sort of openly having those conversations is a way to just address that a little bit. Because I think it's always fascinating to hear why a kid is why a kid gravitates towards something, and you might be it might be an unexpected thing, and it's interesting to follow that.
2: But I also think it comes up in other. It's not just Barbie, right? I mean, and I and I'm frankly a little bit more didactic about it when my kids read, um, particularly my older one who's nine, comics. Mm -hmm. I'll say like, hey, what do you make of the fact that every time there's a female character, they're wearing tights and a bathing suit? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like, why do you think that is? Or I'll say like, have you noticed that every female character in this comic has really big boobs? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Like, does every woman that you meet have boobs like that? No. You know, like, what do you think about that? You know, and then I'll, I'll get a little lecturing, whether he hears it every time or not. But again, it's this idea of, well, you know... These comic books started out as Mark, you know, and again, and he's listening and probably zoning out. But if I say it enough, like, I think it's important and I'm not going to ban those comics. Right. Or I'm not going to kind of pre read everything he reads or everything he watches for, whether it's gender stereotypes or racial stereotypes or. But if I see it and if it comes up, I think it's important to just comment on to help our kids become more educated consumers of media, because if every time you see a female character they're in bathing suit and tights and you don't realize that, that does impact your ideas of women or your thoughts about women or or objectification. And I think it's okay to point those things out. And again, my my vote would be to kind of point it out and be open about it as opposed to just banning it.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of research there is a lot of research. I mean they've done studies that show that girls who play with Barbies specifically or um, I saw another study that was just just sort of general like very thin dolls they can impact and lower a child's self-esteem. Um, so I think we have to be mindful of the fact that there yeah, but it does cor- have an it impact
2: its correlation and I would I mean there's no way it's it's shown in the research to be causation and to the extent that the models include other predictors or that they're ruling out, you know, they're, you know, whatever the statistical term is, I'm not remembering in the moment for like, not include, you know, I want to see, I want to see socioeconomic status. I want to see what other toys they have. I want to see parents' attitudes. I want to see parents' weight. I want to see parents' ideas of women. I want, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so many things Yes. Potentially correlate with who's playing with Barbies or how much or how many hours does it matter? How many hours does not matter? What other toys? Like there's just, if they've done those sorts of real elegant research studies, I'm not saying they haven't, but I want to mm-hmm. see them because just saying that there are studies that correlate playing with Barbies and self-esteem to me doesn't say anything useful.
0: Um. That's fair. That's totally fair. I think – so there are a couple other studies that I was looking at before this episode. One was that, like, a study where, like, five- to eight-year-old girls were just shown pictures of Barbies and then pictures of objects kind of, like, that weren't dolls. Um, And that the girls did show, like, decreased body esteem um, for the – you know, after seeing Barbies and the more neutral objects – Again, like to your point though, which I think is an important one is what is correlation? What is the difference between causation and correlation? Because people who are listening and are not necessarily trained in reading like research and are getting most of their research from like sort of blips from articles in the news, but not actually reading the research studies. Like, can you clarify the difference between correlation and causation for the people listening? Because I think it's a very important distinction to your point. Sure,
2: I'll use my my favorite professor's <laughs> example. I mean, so correlation just means that two things are connected, they're correlated. And causation means that one causes the other. So if you look at two things <clears throat> that are connected, either one causes You know, either A causes B, B causes A, or a third thing causes A and B. So the example that I remember learning in college was looking at, um, you know, baldness and heart failure. Um, And you could say that baldness and heart failure are highly correlated, right? A lot of people that have heart failure, let's say men, are also bald, so then you can think to yourself, well, does baldness cause heart failure? We know that's not true. Does heart failure cause baldness? Also, not true. Actually, there's a third thing, which is age. Mm -hmm. That is likely responsible for both heart failure and baldness. And so whenever we hear that two things are correlated, connected, we have to think, okay, so does playing with Barbies cause girls in particular to have a bad body image? Does having a bad body image cause girls to play with Barbies? which is another possibility, or is there some third factor or factors that are potentially responsible for both? Like, let's say, having a mother with a history of anorexia, hypothetically. Um, And again, I think what, to be educated consumers of research, we have to be able to look at these studies and see if they're taking into account all of the different possibilities that may be there because because oftentimes researchers have an agenda or or I shouldn't say that, I should say marketers of research have an agenda. Mm-hmm. They want to communicate something and when it's an obvious example like baldness and um, heart failure, it, it's so clear, it sounds so silly to us. Like, of course, baldness doesn't cause heart failure. That's the craziest thing. And Lord knows, heart failure doesn't cause baldness. Um, but when you look at something like body image and girls playing with Barbies, it can get confusing. And so you mm-hmm. have to actually take a moment to be critical about it in your own mind and look at the studies and and look at what they're taking into account and what they're not taking into account um, because they can be misleading.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So let's say we're going to sort of pause it here. And this it seems to be kind of a consensus among the three of us that the Yes, there are. We can acknowledge there are studies that show that self-esteem and playing with Barbies perhaps may be correlated, low self-esteem specifically. But what are some of the other variables that might be causal in that in that relationship that you think would be helpful for parents to keep in mind? That might be more important than the decision of whether or not to let your do- child play with Barbies. Because for me, like some, and we've talked about some of them. But already, but maybe we could do like a quick short list. But for me, like one of the big ones is having sort of messaging around body positivity and body acceptance, completely unrelated to Barbies and completely unrelated to doll play, but just in our family, in life, kind of as a general atmosphere,
1: I also think like one of the things that kept coming to mind when you guys were talking is that, so as, as I, as we know, I have two older boys, um, and a younger daughter and my, since this uh, movie is coming out, that song by, I think it's by Aqua, the bar, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Yeah, my yeah. kids are singing, my boys are, it's like catching as like a, you know, pop culture phenomena. But if you hear the, like, I remember being stopped dead in my tracks when I heard the lyrics because one of them is you can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Right. And I was like, whoa, we need to talk about this. You know? So I think the other piece, Sarah, to your point is, and and your point too, Rebecca is like, there's no one thing. And I think sort of, you don't have to be alarmist, but saying like, I was, I remember saying to my kids, like, I'm not sure how I feel about that line. Like, let's talk about that a little bit right because Mm -hmm. there's this I mean that's an old song I I believe um
0: yeah oh my gosh that was out when I I was in right but it sort of
1: carries that Barbie stigma right of like I'm this dispensable female that you can do anything with and I think that's the thing that makes it a conversation with your kids because we don't want to just be like oh it's just a song you know it's just an old song and you know we can sort of zip past this without addressing it. I really felt that, that I feel like those are opportunities to be able to have those types of discussions because my kids are like, it's just a song mom, you know, but that then it Mm -hmm. normalizes some of those sort of concepts that I don't support as a value for my family, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. it's about like catching, not just looking at the studies to your guys' point, like catching these other opportunities to, have these conversations and introduce your values in a different way. And it doesn't have to be super threatening or scary. It can just be an exploratory conversation and sort of corrective in some ways.
2: Well, and I'm also hearing very clearly, Emily, that you did not say we will no longer be listening to this song in my home. Correct. And I think that's really important too, to my point earlier about That kind of idea of banning. And there are some songs you would say that about, you know, there's no question that if I heard, you know, a song with like racial slurs or that sort of thing, I would say, we're not listening to this. And might they go listen to it somewhere else? Sure. But I would still feel like it's important for me to say that in our home, we're not. Mm -hmm. But having a thoughtful threshold about these things and being intentional and thinking about your your goals is important. And it sounds like for that song, it wasn't at that point, but it was at the point, as you said, of making sure it
1: didn't go unmentioned. Yeah. Because I think band to your point, like into my original thing, which is conversation starters, right? Like how we're, we can't keep them in a bubble. We're not going to isolate them from all these images, but we can, even from a young age address this, you know, like Rebecca, your comment of like math is hard, you know, not perpetuating that females can't sustain good math, you know, in science careers and, and sort of, I think just dispelling, not just letting them go untouched, right. Sort of talking about that and dispelling some of those sort of, um, what we would otherwise think is normal, right. We don't want that to be normal. We don't want to just relax into like, it's not that big of a deal. We want to address some of those things.
0: Right. And you can't really address them if you never allow mm-hmm. them in, right? Like, if you kind of keep everything that is controversial or complicated um, or even potentially damaging completely out of your child's life.
1: And also for the for like, boys.
0: What are you displacing? Yeah. But for for everyone, like, what are you displacing? Yeah. These opportunities for reflection, and you know, in closing, I'll 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 direct listeners to go back and listen to an episode that I did with Dr. Miriam Steele. Um, I'll put it in the show notes.
2: Sorry, I thought you were going to say you were going to direct them to go listen to the Barbie song.
0: do that too. Maybe without your kids in the car. Um, it's, a, it's an earworm though. You'll be singing it all, all the time if you do well, that. My kids are
1: singing um, it all the time. It's,
0: it's not. It's a very catchy So I was super popular when we were kids and for reasons probably less about the lyrics and more about the sort of catchiness of it. But I mean actually like I, when I was younger I probably didn't even really listen to the lyrics and now it's so funny also total tangent but how many times are you listening to songs that have come back and come back in vogue now from when we were kids and like listening to the lyrics and being like oh yeah that went over my head when I <laughs> when I listened to that as a kid I did not realize it was about whatever that was I feel like as a grown up and my kids are now listening to some of the songs I listened to a lot when I was younger I'm like oh hold on, I didn't realize this song was about that. Does that happen to you guys a lot?
1: It happens to me with a lot of like uh, language-based stuff in songs, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like, I, we really
0: have to be thoughtful
1: about <laughs> just you know, yeah. jumping out to this. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But okay. So just to circle back to fi- finish my thought, um, I will direct you guys to go back and listen to the Miriam Steele episode that I did on, there's two, there's like a part one and a part two. Part one's amazing. If you want to know like everything about it, the research of attachment, it's a really good episode. But part two, she talks about her sort of current research that she's doing right now at the New School for Social Research on um, the generational transmission of body image from a mother to a child, and she looks at how the attachment system kind of, I don't remember, mediates or moderates that relationship. But basically, like, the more secure the attachment, the less negative body image gets transferred. So if a mother has a really poor body image, they're more likely for their daughter, the studies on mothers and daughters specifically, although they are looking at it in other genders as well right now, but, um, the more likely a mother, if a mother has a low body image, the more likely her daughter is to have also a low body image. However, if there is a secure attachment relationship, which has nothing to do with body image, but is just present the higher, like the, the less impact the mom's body image has on the daughter's body image, which I thought was really interesting because And I think one of the reasons, and we kind of talk about it in that episode, is because one of these features of secure attachment is also high reflective functioning. And it's likely that high reflective functioning capacity to be able to... And reflective functioning, if people aren't familiar with that, is our ability to sort of imagine the inner world and the intentions of another person as well as of ourselves. So to kind of go into our own self and be reflective and to go into some of someone else's mind and be reflective of what their experience might be. And so if you have secure attachment, you're more likely to have higher reflective functioning, which might be a buffer against sort of taking in a parent's low body image as something that you kind of adapt without thinking and sort of accept as your own metric and rubric for how you see your body. So it's very interesting because I think it sort of supports this idea that like the Barbie isn't the problem. Like how we think about, how we talk about just ourselves and also Barbies with our kids may actually be more important. And building that ability to be reflective and say, well, hmm, does this body look like my body? Is that good or bad? Is that neutral? Can I, can I think about this versus it just kind of being like completely outside of our awareness and our, and our, and our thought processes at all. So that might be, if you're like, Ooh, this is interesting. I want more. I would go to that episode and we we'll tag it in the show notes. It's easy to, to jump to, but thank you guys so much.
1: Thank you. This was great as always. Thank you. I know. I love, I, I think this is a great episode. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you so much for listening. As you can hear, parenting is not one size fits all. It's nuanced and it's complicated. So I really hope that this series where we're answering your questions really helps you to cut through some of the noise and find out what works best for you and your unique child. If you have a burning parenting question, something you're struggling to navigate, or a topic you really want us to shed light on or share research about, we want to know. Go to drsarahbren.com forward slash question to send in anything that you want Rebecca, Emily, and me to answer in this new series, Securely Attached Beyond the Sessions. That's drsarahbren.com forward slash question. And check back for a brand new Securely Attached next Tuesday. And until then, don't be a stranger.